Today on Ag News Daily. Uh, recovery here uh, has to do with the spirit of this company. This what you see are not just the machines, it's the heart and soul of America. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily podcast, joined as always by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Mike. How about you? You know, not too bad at all. I've got a little something going on with my throat. It's mm. itchy in the back. I need to get some Ricola or something. Well, it is allergy season. I know. I don't usually get spring allergies, though. Mine mm. are a, a fall type of situation, but I'm aging and <laughs> maybe my immune system is getting weaker. Losing hair, weaker immune system. Yeah, those are signs of aging. Fiber cereal. Yeah. <laughs> that fits you to a T, huh? It does. It does. That is that is me. Me and uh, <laughs> three items right there. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, I tell you what, we've got a good discussion today for the podcast. But before we do that, Delaney, what do you say? Should we jump in and take a look at some news? Yeah, you know, it's a slower news day again today. It feels like it's just kind of slow in news, it feels like it's slow, like when you look outside, planters aren't going yet, been getting a lot of rain, but yeah, let's talk through some news. All right, well, you go first. What's jumping out at you today? What are the big headlines we need to know about? Well, no surprise, but the EPA once again came out in a statement and said glyphosate is unlikely to cause cancer. We've got all these uh, lawsuits going on right now, dealing with Bayer's Roundup Ready, um, of course, we talked about those lawsuits going on last week that they're filing an appeal, but the EPA agency has again reaffirmed its conclusion that glyphosate does not or is likely not carcinogenic, carcinogenic, and in a proposed registration decision that would allow the herbicide to continue to be used in the United States. So, nothing new there, right. I guess. Yeah, no major changes, it sounds like, but at least glyphosate's going to stay uh, stay in the toolbox. Yeah, it sounds like they might be putting out a little more stricter um, application uses like they have with dicamba, but it sounds like we will get to continue using that tool. All right, well, we'll keep an ear to the ground and see what comes of these uh, EPA machinations as they move along a little farther. Oh, that was a good word. I'm trying, you know, I'm really trying to up my vocab. I like it. Yeah, got to get me a word of the day calendar. There you go. You need one of those. I do. I need all sorts of things. The calendar's <laughs> not going to cut it, I don't think. <laughs> oh, boy. I've got some news here. We were talking yesterday. You know, a lot of our conversation was about the protein markets. Mm -hmm. Well, the alternate protein markets are going to get a price signal on Thursday. Uh, vegan burger maker Beyond Meat will be launching its IPO, its initial public offering, on Thursday. And today they increased the price range and the size. So they're selling more shares at a higher price than they'd initially anticipated. Uh, they're going to sell 9.63 million shares, and they're expected to be sold between $23 and $25 per share. Mm. Delaney, you going to get in there and buy some fake meat shares? Uh. For $25 a share, I don't know. That's I don't know what normal companies trade at, I guess. I don't really watch the public stocks very much. Is They're all normal? different. I know. They're all different, yeah. I don't know. I was told one time that 
it's smartest. Well, maybe not smartest. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But companies like Procter and Gamble or Johnson and Johnson that produce like everyday items that you absolutely can't live without, like shampoo and deodorant and all that stuff, are the companies to invest in because you're not going to lose money, but you're also not going to make a lot of money because they're just kind of steady, consistent stocks. That's the Warren Buffett way. He made a pile of money. Just doing that? Yeah, basically. I mean, on a huge scale. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, Probably not. You going to invest, Mike? You know, I'm not, but only because I have zero dollars. Had I I a little cash, and I think this is something for our listeners to think about, we talk about diversification in agriculture a lot. There are a lot of different ways to diversify your income stream, a lot of different ways to diversify your and, and reduce your production risks. And maybe if we're in the protein business, one way for us to diversify going forward is to consider owning shares in these alternate meat companies in case they do become a legitimate threat. At least we'll have another another asset, another income stream that exists independently of our core business. So I, I'm still going to rip on these companies because, come on, if you want to eat a salad, eat a salad. If you want to eat a burger, eat a burger. Don't try to combine the two. But – if people are going to combine the two and I can put a dollar in my pocket, you know, why not? I guess that's true. You got to make money. Right, right. At the end of the day, we got to do what we got to do to keep our family and our operations going. And a lot of times that does include diversifying. So maybe this is one way to do it. Absolutely. Well, we've got another um, wrench in the toolbox. Maybe that's not the best analogy here, but we had some sources report that Administrator Wheeler is considering issuing partial waivers, exemption waivers, to small refiners that would relieve them of half of their biofuel blending requirements under the current RFS. According to two refinery industry sources, they have currently received 36 requests for exemptions from 2018, and issuing partial waivers rather than full waivers would give them a way to compromise and keep the biofuel industry happy as well as potentially the oil industry happy. Hmm. I'm not happy. No waivers. <laughs> Come on, they were issuing like six two years ago. Now we're at 18 or 22. And the thing but let's is, go back not, to six. They're not companies that I would consider small oil producing companies, small refiners. Right. Chevron isn't a ma and pa comp- corporation. Right. Yeah. All right, so he's deliberating just reducing their the the volumes under which they'll be released. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. I got more news coming out of DC for us today. Decent news for those of us on the borrowing side of the banker's desk. The Fed held interest rates steady today, as expected. No big shocks. They uh, they said U.S. job gains are strong, economic growth is strong, and they hope that weak inflation will edge higher. So they're counting on the labor markets. Economic activity is rising. There's no reason to keep raising interest rates quite yet because there is still some concerns, but they're cool keeping them the way they are. So no major changes on the interest rate front. All right. Well, that can be taken, of course, as a good and bad. But one thing that Also is coming out of D.C. this week is House Democrats are preparing a new disaster bill to put on the floor next week. This is like the third or fourth disaster aid bill that we've seen come to the floor, but it's still unclear 
when the Senate will reach a deal to move that legislation forward. Don't know exactly yet what these provisions, what the changes in this new bill include, other than a provision to cover losses to stored corn and soybeans, which were, of course, damaged back by the flooding. So that is one good sign there. But it's like... Are they just presenting another bill because they want it to say it was from the Democrats? Are they just being bullheaded yes. in that way? You know, it's probably a combination of factors. They definitely want more money for Puerto Rico. That's been one of the right. the major tiffs since the thing really mm-hmm. got going. But also, I think with the Democratic candidates coming to Iowa to begin their campaign for president, I think the Democrats would like to have a, a disaster bill with a D on it. Yeah, that's true, too. I didn't think about that. But yes, campaign time is upon us. Ugh. ugh. Yes, it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. All right. Well, we'll get to keep covering political garbage for the next 18 months. Hooray! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I just have one other piece of news, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about on Monday. Gosh, was that yesterday? (laughs) Yes. No. Wow. No, today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. All right, good. I'm... I'm (laughs) I'm kind of on track. Um, On Monday, we talked about how ADM was considering splitting off and selling its ethanol um, division. And today, they announced that they're going to do several other things because their first quarter profit was so terrible. Uh, ADM is planning to cut uh, four aging flour mills. They're going to just close them all together. It's going to cut production of high fructose corn syrup, and they are going to go ahead and prepare the ethanol operations for a potential spinoff. Also announced kind of in fine print at the bottom was that ADM is going to, quote, reduce staff and streamline global operations. So there's going to be layoffs coming at ADM, which is uh, bad news if you or a loved one are employed there. Yes, that is not great news, but it does look like we may have some good news here in the U.S.-Chinese trade negotiations. It sounds like now that the U.S. and China have made a pact to have a timeline here for removing some of the tariffs, which is, of course, an anonymous source, but sounds like U.S. Um, the U.S. and China agreed to this during some of their negotiations in Washington. They're in Beijing this week, and they've got another set of negotiations for next week again in Washington. So some of those tariffs that are speculated to be removed would include 10% duties on a portion of the $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. And then the tariffs on the remaining products would be taken off quickly, according to the source quoted in this article. But the 25% tariff would likely stay in place until after the 2020 election. Hmm. Okay. All right. So now we just need to have some signatures go down and this thing actually get written on a piece of paper and actually get done. And again, this is speculation. We don't really know if this is true, not true, whatever. Well, it didn't do anything, or it didn't do a whole lot, I should say, for the soybean market today. Yeah, well, just speculation, I think. Yeah, I think we're kind of tired. I mean, it's good. It's good to get the insider voices and to hear what they're talking about. I think that's important. So thanks, Delaney, for bringing that to our attention. Mm -hmm. But man, aren't you sick of talking about stuff that might or might not happen here with this trade deal shenanigans? I really am. I really am. And I'm sure producers are tired of hearing about it. So, yeah. Well... You know, let's just go ahead and jump into the markets. That's something that we have to hear about every day. But, uh, you know, today we got uh, corn market did a little something. Should we see what it was? Let's do it. 
All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our great friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, volatile markets can create opportunities. Use our friends at Zaner to put a marketing plan in place and stick to it to manage your marketing risk. Give them a shout at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. As I mentioned, the corn market did a thing today. July corn up six cents at six, excuse me, 368 and a half. December up five and a quarter to close at 386 and a quarter. Soybeans, a little weakness today. The July was down two and a quarter cents at 851 and three quarters, with the November down one and three quarters to close at 873 even. Chicago wheat, big move to the upside during its recent downtrend. July was up seven and a quarter at 436 even. December up four and a half, finishing at 459 and a half. Looking over at the world of livestock, red on the screen continues in the cattle complex. June Live cattle down 37.5 cents at 113.8750. The August down 80 at 110.97.5. In feeder cattle, the August up 7.5 cents at 149.22.5. September down 25 to close at 150.30. And big moves to the upside today in lean hogs. Front month, or excuse me, the June contract limit up, up the daily $3 trading limit to close at 91.2250. And the July also limit up, bringing us to 90. 37 and a half for the close. Jumping over to the dairy market, June class three milk up four cents at 16.25, with the July up six cents at 16.43. Delaney, how would you tell us what we are going to be listening to today on the podcast? Absolutely, Mike. Well, as I uh, mentioned yesterday, I was attending an event with Secretary Purdue, and he did allow to get some questions. So we are going to play some of those questions from the media gaggle that Secretary Purdue shared this week. All right, who wants to go first? Come on in, Mary. Sure. Well, don't back, don't come out in front of the cameras now, you. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, can you give us some updates on flooding damage estimates? Well, uh, they're ever evolving as obviously the water recedes, and there, I don't have any current data as of today, but. Uh, we're continuing to count. The interesting thing is we need Congress to pass this disaster bill so it can be addressed because uh, just having the data of the damage uh, doesn't help until we have some help on the way. So Congress is back in the session this, this week. I'm hoping they will address that, certainly from the Midwest flooding to the hurricanes in the southeast, to the wildfires in California, and uh, and get uh, get what people need. This That's total devastation. I mean, you know here in the uh, the rivers here that were uh, just some people lost everything so that's the big deal including grain storage do you know what the yeah i think there's there hopefully there'll be a provision in there that de- dealt with that uh, there's not really a an insurable uh, opportunity within usda programs there uh, on that and that's really what we need i mean the safety net that the farm bill provides is one thing but it doesn't contemplate total devastation so hopefully we'll be able to get some help your impressions of the well, I think that's, that's a great question. Uh, recovery here uh, has to do with the spirit of this company. This what you see are not just the machines, it's the heart and soul of America based on the founder and the family and the family transitions that's happened since that time. This is the, this is the best of America here. And what, 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 people, what people like the Vernier people do is pick up, they don't wait for people to, to come help them, but many people did, fortunately, but they just get it done. They plan, 
they 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 have the people and the spirit to to recover and that's what we're going to see happen here they are they began the day afterwards with the planning uh, to do that the story that mary and bob and the family told me was truly inspiring in the way that that's that's the spirit of america and that's what president trump loves about uh american manufacturing and particularly american agriculture these are people that they don't wait for people to come and provide help for them they help themselves while others come and help them as well so that's what uh, that's what's great about this the recovery uh already the productivity that mary tells me about is surpassing prior pre-tornado in less space what does that say this is a get it done kind of company and a get it done kind of spirit that i find out throughout ag america uh can you tell it, Senator Grassley said that uh, USMCA won't get passed unless the tariffs are lifted, uh, the 232 tariffs. What, what, what are the possibilities of getting that done? Well, we've advocated for that, obviously. It's important to companies like this. It's important to farmers, certainly from export and from uh, a higher cost on retaliatory tariffs. So uh, uh, I understand uh, Senator Grassley can say things sometimes more forcefully than I can afford to say things. but. Uh, uh, I think, again, uh, hopefully that will be part of the system where the president can be persuaded that the tariffs have had their effect and, uh, and that we can move to a quota system. The president's very concerned. While he, uh, he, he wants a, a better deal, and that's exactly what has been negotiated with USMCA, many people didn't think that could be done. But in every aspect, whether it be labor, health, safety, uh, ag access, all those things, Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, this new MCA, USMCA agreement is better than the original NAFTA. I just hope Congress will put, once again, uh, politics aside and vote for America in rat ratifying this. I believe the president at some point, if uh, that's the case, uh, could be persuaded to use a, go back to a quota system where he's concerned about the steel industry and the revitalization of the steel industry, which he has to be in the overall economy. But as you know, President Trump doesn't deal very much with uh, uh, threats. With the African swine fever going on in obviously China and parts of um, Asia, mm -hmm. if we do get a trade deal in place, how much more pork do you think that we have the possibility to export? Well, I think we're already seeing some effects of that as well, but not only in pork, but certainly in beef and poultry and uh, uh, beans as well as corn. and. If we get uh, the deal that's looked at now with the uh, duties, countervailing duties off of DDGs, that will also, and, and uh, ethanol, it'll be great for your Iowa corn farmers as well. So there's a huge potential. I just don't want to raise expectations as if a done deal. I mean, I wish it were done today based on the numbers we see, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm happy that the negotiators are continuing. Our negotiators are going back to China this week, and then they're number two negotiator, that number two person in China, Vice Premier Lia He, will be coming here in, uh, in May. And uh, hopefully President Xi and President uh, Trump can come together and seal the deal uh, later. We're optimistic, but uh, cautiously optimistic. And time for two more questions. What were some of your other impressions going through the plant here today and going through the, the family home? Once again, this company, a family company, is taking advantage of modern manufacturing techniques with lean production techniques and that's that's productivity and uh, they're they're manufacturing ag products and industrial products here the way major major corporations uh, operate today you won't find much difference in the 
in the way this the, these people operate here in this plant with uh, the, the highest level manufacturing in this country. They've taken it and continue to evolve. It's a process of continuing improvement and that's driven by a passion for just being better. As I told the group in there, they fulfill our motto at USDA, which is to do right and feed everyone. And they're doing part of both of those. Final question. Um, what can you do to uh, convince EPA to restore the, uh, or to restore demand uh, that's been uh, lost through the small uh, refinery exemptions? Well, we've advocated with EPA. It's a uh, I know there's some question, but I think we ought to focus on the future and the good part about uh, year-round E15 and the ability that President Trump insisted on doing that and getting that done will con will be the best part about building uh, the demand. Let's go forward. That was that was kind of part of the old story of restoring demand. If we go have E15 year-round where we can have blender pumps for E15, 20, 25, 30, then there's going to be huge demand for ethanol and corn uh, uh, volume going forward. So let's focus on the future. Uh, I think that we've gotten some understanding on better uh, protocols over the RINs and the uh, waivers there, and that's where we need to focus on. Well, it's always good to know that uh, folks like Secretary Purdue are still kind of at our disposal if we've got questions for them. But if you have questions for us here on the Ag News Daily Podcast, you can hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter anytime, or you can always Reach, uh, reach out to us on our new website. And Mike, where can they find that? Well, the easiest way for our regular listeners is to just go to the old website, agnewsdaily.com. It will take you direct to our new landing page at the Global Ag Network. Get out there, click around, check in. You can register now and keep all of your podcasts in one centralized location. It's very, very cool. We're very proud of it. But we do need help making sure it's all working. So get out there, see what you can see, see if you can break some of it, and uh, let us know if you do. Um, and with that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.